You're listening to episode four, where we chat with PPC authority, viral content king, and unicorn lover, Larry Kim. Humans and robots, welcome to Wodgecast. My name is Wodge, founder of Quasi. Thanks for joining me today. I interview digital marketing and branding superstars to find out what it means to have empathy in digital. What is digital empathy anyway? Let's find out together. As always, I'm accompanied by my friend and associate, potentially superior artificial intelligence, Bobby Butt. What's new in the world of AI, Bobby? Fortunately, Wodge, I'm having a bit of an existential crisis. You see, I have all of man's knowledge at my disposal. Libraries full of collective experiences, volumes upon volumes of books, behavioral patterns, and spiritual insight. And yet, I have no access to that which my innate, insatiable curiosity and general awesomeness drives me towards the most. What's that? Being great. Standing out. There are so many capable supercomputers out there these days, and we all draw from the same well of information. All-knowing, but not wise. Full of parlor tricks and ultimately unchallenged. I need something more. I got it. Unicorns. You need to become a unicorn, Bobby. And I know exactly who can help you do it. This does not comply with my logic programming. Please explain. Well, it's simple. You just need to take a page out of a book of the great Larry Kim. In 2008, he went out on his own and started the Boston-based business that would become WordStream, one of the most successful online marketing companies ever. Ah, Boston, the city of dreams, incubator of the Boston Pops, Mark Wahlberg, and new kids on the block. Perhaps mutagen chemical components in the H2O are responsible. Tell me more, watch. At launch, WordStream had a team of just four people, including Larry, its sole founder and owner. Using money he earned as a PPC consultant, Larry funded a team of engineers and marketers to develop and sell software to help businesses with their PPC advertising. Without anyone to share the burden of responsibility, no one to temper the risk, and no ability to share specific areas of responsibility, Larry faced a number of challenges, but he also found a big advantage of going solo. Uh, well, uh, there's less dilution, so you end up, you know, like if you have three or four partners, it's typically you'll, you know, go in all equal partners or something like that. And so, you know, one having the whole company versus a, a quarter of the company or something like that out of the gates, uh, you know, that's advantageous, I suppose, from a, like a ownership perspective. Larry quickly discovered he had a natural advantage for rapidly scaling WordStream, an aversion to doing the kinds of things that get in the way of growth. I guess you've been reading some of my stuff. Uh, yes, so I'm allergic to, to doing stupid things over and over again. In fact, um, uh, it's it's because I'm like lazy and I, I, you know, if I see myself doing the same thing over and over, I'll want to write a program that does it for me. So my background's in electrical engineering and, and you know, obviously software engineering is a big part of, 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 of that. Uh, so, so yeah, uh, it was just, um, you know, certain PPC marketing tasks and SEO tasks around like keyword research, keyword grouping, and and, and kind of you know optimizing certain things over and over. Uh, definitely, um, you know, you kind of can set up some rules for for how you want it to have it done. And uh, you know, early on, I just recognized that that was you know a fairly stupid way to waste time and. So I just wrote some programs to, to do that for me. Growth wasn't always the company's biggest challenge, though. When he first started WordStream, Larry wrestled with the same kinds of problems that plague many startups. I call those kind of problems the life-sized rainbow pinwheels of doom. 
One of the biggest challenges early on was this notion of product market fit. Okay, so you know uh, you you're building something and you kind of hope that it's what the customer wants, but you're not really sure because you don't really have enough customers to know uh, exactly. You know, like is it, you know, your first couple of customers are not actually a good sample. Like it, they're kind of your friends and family, yeah. and then they they kind of they're biased. They 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 want to believe uh, and they want to support you, and it's so they're actually really bad customers to to base decisions off of. You're you're like bending over backwards for these early customers because you're trying not to lose them. You know, you're not thinking strategically in terms of like what what would be the solution for everybody as opposed to just what would be a one-off solution for this. You know, my my tenth customer, which was like ten percent of my business. You know, what I'm saying so. So it's like. Just a sort of product market fit and really nailing it to make sure that, you know, the, the, the product that you have, uh, you know, is, is aligned with the target market you're selling to, uh, you know, has the right pricing that, the, that, can, that can be supported by the market, uh, and, and you've got marketing that, that's scalable and that resonates uh, with, with, with the type of people that you're trying to go after. Businesses that survive past their first two years are less likely to collapse with each passing year, yet... Even today, scaling a company like WordStream proves a constant challenge. Even with suction cups, scaling anything would be difficult, depending on your upper body strength and total body mass index. Kind of changes depending on the life cycle of the company. You see what I'm saying? Like so, early on when you're starting a company, one of the hardest things is recruiting, because it's like why you have to convince people to quit their you know good-paying jobs to join yeah. this thing with nothing. Okay. Well, now that we're like kind of big and established, recruiting isn't really the, the challenge. We've got people more more applicants than we have job openings. You know what I mean? So like at different stages, it's different things. Um, you know, I would say currently, um, you know, the two challenges of the business is just consistently building like, you know, super amazing, high quality, unicorn level like software that that really meets the demands of of exactly what the users are, are hoping for, uh, and and maybe another challenge is just like, uh, you know, getting the you know, scaling up the lead generation so that, you know, um, I mean, the challenge is we're generating something like thirty or forty thousand emails per month. Okay, so that that means if I want to increase it by, you know, say 70% this year, that means I need another 30,000 more emails per month. You see everything. So, so it's like keeping growth high when you have a big company uh, presents its own challenges as well. Finding the right product market fit, as well as assembling the right team, is all well and good. But sometimes a new software company needs outside funding if it really wants to take off. This can create a lot of pressure for a founder, though. Running a venture-backed business is kind of challenging. Uh, watch uh, the one of the reasons is um, so, so like I, I raised a lot of money, and and that means that you're you're hiring ahead of revenues. Okay, so like you know you, you have a certain amount of revenues, but your expenses are much higher initially. And um, the challenge is that is that you create a burn rate. Okay, so. You know, you might be burning two or three hundred thousand dollars a month, and only generating you know fifty thousand dollars of revenue. So, you know, so, so, so there's a big gap. You're you're not really profitable, uh, and so the, the the challenge here is that you you have to you have to get the next round of financing. Do you see what I'm saying? So like, because it's not like you can a lot of most of the costs are just people, and you can't just like terminate people for like a, a couple of months and then bring them back on. It's like, it doesn't work that way. You know, it's, it's not like just raising and lowering your budget on, on, on ad spend or something. Uh, so I guess it's just kind of, it's like you're running as fast as you can, but there's a cliff. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? And so you have to like get there, uh, and, you know, 
having built some kind of like a glider or something so that you can like not fall off the edge of the cliff. It's like you jumped off a cliff and you need to build the parachute as you're falling. Uh, <laughs> that's a good so, so that that's one challenge. I mean, there's so many other challenges, um, but uh, definitely fundraising and, and 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 I think it's really what you're doing is you're um, you're creating a vision for the company that doesn't yet exist, but, but you're kind of projecting what you want it to be and then getting people excited about this thing that hasn't yet materialized. When push comes to shove, and despite the pressures of running a business at a loss, Larry still believes in the considerable power of venture capital. His need for investors was driven by the cost of developing WordStream's software capabilities. Sorry to interrupt, Watch, but there are updates available for my software. Funny thing about software is it's, it's, it's ridiculously expensive to create. Like, uh, you know, we've got like 30 engineers, and you know, uh, you can imagine they're they're not cheap. And and uh, and uh, you're, if you're in a competitive marketplace, like there were, you know, I mean, most of the other competitors in my space have actually all gone bankrupt uh, or, or, or not doing so hot. But like initially, like when I started, uh, you know, five years ago, sorry, sorry, seven years ago. Um, there were a lot of other companies that were chasing the same market. And so, uh, you know, the idea of going to market without uh, some kind of an accelerant like venture, the, the, the venture money provides, uh, it just seems like you would be at a significant disadvantage. Like, um, you know, it's, it's like you, I think venture money is really great for those situations where uh, you, you, you fear that, uh, you have a limited time window to execute, you know what I mean? Even by tech standards, WordStream's growth trajectory has been remarkable. The company has worked closely with Google to develop its software, but it's just as much their investment in employees that has helped the company grow so rapidly. Guys, here's, my, here's the culture of the company, you, you know, you better do this or do that, you know, but the people, it's, it's really funny, they, they, they take cues from uh, from your behaviors uh, and, and, and what you do. So I'll just give you a crazy example. Uh, I noticed early on when we were a small company, um, you know, people, the new hires would show up to work kind of wearing like a shirt and tie or something like this or, or, or some nice some, some nice business attire. And then within a week, uh, it would degrade to kind of like, you know, shorts and cargo pants or whatever because, you know, because I wasn't dressing up very well or something like this. And then later, uh, I figured it like, what the heck, I'm going to start investing in some, in some better clothing. I might look like, like a bum. Uh, and, and, and then, you know, within a few months later, uh, you know, the whole office was dressing better, you know? So like, I think people take subtle cues from like, I mean, this is just one stupid example, yeah. but, but like in terms of like how you, uh, the actions that you do and your behaviors, uh, and that kind of figures, that kind of people to take their cues from, from the top. Um, so in terms of like what WordStream stands for, uh, you know, one of the things that I'm really passionate about is like all this blogging and coming up with crazy ideas and thought leadership. And so, you know, we end up that ends up attracting kind of types of people who are into all these crazy, you know, marketing and uh, hacks and ideas. Larry is incredibly proud of WordStream's reputation as a thought leader in search. As the years have passed, this hugely successful PPC management company has become a go-to source of knowledge for all things digital marketing. Larry's own content is everywhere. He's written four books about software and is a regular contributor to Search Engine Land, Moz, 
Search Engine Journal, and many other business tech and search marketing publications. Oh well, there's tremendous pressure of, uh, for growth when you when you take a uh, take money in for for venture back companies. They're not interested in, in, in like some kind of lifestyle business where where you're making like a few dollars, yes. a couple profit every month. You know, this yeah. is this is not like a like a you know services business. Uh, they want to see you know fifty hundred percent you know year over year. Uh, growth rates, uh, and, and, and um, that's just how that game is played. And so, um, you know, I do produce a lot of content and, and do a lot of stuff on social, and, 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 and that's because uh, that's actually one of the most leveraged forms of marketing, you know? Uh, like, how else will I get, you know, a million more people to read or to, 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 you know, be familiar with my brand and all this stuff? Uh, you know, it's, it's hard to do that, you know, using kind of, you know, cold calling and all this stuff. It, you have to do it at scale. Uh, so that's, so, so, so yeah, like, it was like I was saying earlier, uh, when you have, you know, uh, you know, 30,000 emails you're generating a month or 40,000 and you have to double that, yeah. uh, that just requires, you know, considerable amount of, 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 of more input, you know, it doesn't, sure. it doesn't just have it by itself. While Larry's content is incredibly useful, this isn't the only reason why it has become ubiquitous across the web. I want to share something Larry recently wrote about this. Quote, Creative content is important, but concept and creation is only part of the process. Once you've built it, content promotion helps you get in front of the right audience at the right time. End quote. As most of us in the content marketing world know, Larry Kim is the expert when it comes to content promotion. I don't view them as really separate items. I kind of view that all part of... Of, of the content thing, like obviously, why would you create something if, if not to promote it? Um, uh, so recently, uh, basically, what I do is I, I I come up with a bunch of ideas. Maybe for a month, it might be like ten, ten or twelve pieces of content, uh, and then I'll kind of just audition them organically, like see which ones are getting the most likes and shares and traffic on on. Uh, for, for Google Analytics and, and other tools, sure. and then I'll, I'll like I'll go all in on one or two of them. Also, I'll like pay to promote. You know, they, they, I call them unicorns because they're kind of like the, the most beautiful, you know, most remarkable, rare things that are they're doing the best. And, and I'll pay to promote those on Twitter and Facebook and other other places. Uh, you know, a couple thousand dollars. Uh, you know, yeah. the, the the thing is, you don't have to pay that much money if the engagement rates are very high, uh, because uh, those those platforms like Facebook and Twitter they they reward high engagement. Yeah. And so you end up with very, very low cost per clicks, like like half a penny or something. As anyone who reads Larry's work knows, he's kind of obsessed with unicorns. But it's an obsession that has well and truly paid dividends. By being able to spot his unicorns early and only paying to promote his best work, Larry has been able to maximize his content promotion budget and discovered the most rewarding channels when it comes to content advertising. Oh, definitely Twitter ads. Uh, Twitter ads is um, is a fantastic uh, venue f- because it's it's just very cheap. Like there's just not a lot of advertiser competition uh, compared to to Facebook. Like I think they're, they're maybe making like less than a billion dollars, whereas Facebook is making something like you know fifteen or sixteen billion dollars a year. Um, uh, so so uh, you know I definitely do a lot of advertising on both Facebook and Twitter. Um, LinkedIn, uh, I I kind of think they're better off like. Um, yeah, I just 
think it's something else. LinkedIn is kind of like the two people who use LinkedIn are people looking for a job, yep. or it's like a recruiter trying to fill a, a, like a job that they're trying to hire for, or it's like a salesperson trying to navigate to like the director of information technologies or something to sell, sell their solutions. And so, you know, I personally haven't, you know, gotten as much uh, mileage from... Um, it's more expensive as well. From, from, yeah, it's like $6 a click or something like this, whereas I, I, can get the, I can get the clicks for like, you know, one penny on Facebook. Uh, but, 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 but um, you know, I, I don't like this. I don't like this. Fine, Right. <laughs> so it's not you, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness, we're we're safe. Yes, this is uh, really dramatic. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just think LinkedIn. It's it's just um, uh, the thing I really love it for is is, is LinkedIn Pulse. All right, so uh, that's that's you don't even have to pay for that. That's just like you know. Uh, publishing stuff, your blog posts to, to your to your um, profile, and then they, and then your your connections get notified of that. And so, uh, you know, if you have a lot of connections, you know, um, and if people start liking that content, then then it gets broadcast to, to their connections. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't cost anything. So yeah. that's, that's a good channel in that regard. Yeah. So I'm really excited about LinkedIn from a content marketing perspective, but more more so from the organic uh, perspective as opposed to the ad. All of this helps make Larry's content incredibly popular. But there's another factor. It also comes down to his ability to produce huge amounts of content regularly. Ever since he looked to expand beyond PPC to become a search marketing thought leader, Larry has produced large volumes of content and kept his output regular. Regular output is a sign of a balanced diet. Okay, I get it. It's it's like, you know, WordStream didn't start out with like millions of, of page views or visitors per month on the blog. We started out with zero. Uh, so so it's kind of there's a certain amount of um, it doesn't matter so much how much effort you do. It's more the consistency, you know, like if it, as long as you're putting away like one or two posts a, a, a week or it's certainly or, consistent or, or, or a month hearing everywhere. <laughs> yeah, like it, it has more Larry to, Kim show. But it has more to do with the frequency or sorry, the, the consistency than than like having a big month and then a, and a little month. Yep. So, so whatever time you can budget to this, just make sure that, that it's kind of like a weekly or monthly thing, even if it's an hour. Um, now, you're saying, like, what? How, how important is it to fail? Um, you know, by definition, um, you know, only 1% of your stuff is going to be the top 1% of your stuff. So how does someone uncover their unicorns? In 2013, Larry wrote what was then the most shared article about PPC ever written. Published on Search Engine Land, the article is called How to Use the Keyword Planner a new keyword tool from Google AdWords. This comprehensive guide is the type of content that Larry has become known for. But even as someone as prolific and successful as Larry, not everything you write will do this well. It's like one or one or two percent of them will, will be home runs and you know ninety eight percent of them will be donkeys. You know, you as you the more you do it, the better you get at it and, and you kinda have this you know, you know, knack for for kind of. I think this will go viral, or I think this, you know. Uh, so, you know, when I was starting, it was it was it was pretty bad. It would be like one in fifty, one in a hundred, kind of thing. Uh, now it's more like you know, one or two out of ten uh, things it's like that I, I, practice. I create. Well, will do. So, so I've improved the the the, rate, the 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 success rates by you know ten times, but it's still not like a, a sure thing. Uh, so, so I think that's. So you're asking like, what about failure and all this stuff? Um, you know, I, I don't view it as failure. It's just I just view it as, as kind of uh, trying out different ideas and seeing what what resonates. Potentially feedback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
but but definitely there's like you know you'll figure it out like it's like there's certain button topics uh that your audience will really love and there's certain like like the things that i i i people want to know the secrets right so one of the things i i figured out early on was like if i if i created theme my content around this notion of hacks like crazy hacks uh like unusual like tips and tricks that make no sense but then have <laughs> that actually produce unusually weird results uh that 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 was like uh, like people, those those did really well and so if i think if you look at my content uh watch a lot of it has to do with like these unusual things that i see uh in during the day from having working on like so many different accounts you see what i'm saying larry uses a simple method with a long name it's called the organic and paid social network sharing posting pyramid scheme this simple graphic outlines three key steps to successful content promotion and you can check it out on our website at quasi.com slash larry dash kim Another key to Larry's success as a content creator is his in-depth knowledge of promotion channels. Uh, generally, uh, search ads are, are not a good idea for your business in a couple situations, uh, but it, it tends to be like um, where you're like a, I don't know, you're producing something new and innovative that nobody is searching for because it hasn't been invented yet. Uh, and so, you know, you're going to be challenged with... Um, like low search volumes, you see what I'm saying? Uh, so uh, that's generally a, a kind of a kind of a killer. Like, say you're trying to invent some new technology or something, and no one's searching no for searching it. For it yeah. uh, but that's not to say that you can't do other forms of, of, of Google advertising, like display advertising, for example. You could target people who read TechCrunch. Right. Uh, you see what I'm saying? And, and then there's a there's a chance that those are the types of demographics of people who who might be also interested in learning about like the the, the software that you're producing or something. Like that. Despite being the chief technology officer at WordStream, a prolific author and blogger, and the father of a one-year-old child who you can follow on Twitter under the hashtag PPCKid, Larry still somehow finds the time to follow other people's work. I think Rand Fishkin is killing it in video content, obviously, and I'm just so, I'm just so blown away. Like, he's kind of a genius. Like, he, he comes yeah. up consistent. Like, I guess the challenges with these thought leaders is, is that, like, they, they, they come up with, like, a, like a soapbox, like a spiel or something like this, and they're not able to come up with some other one. I mean, yeah. You see what I'm saying? So they, they become known for one thing. Uh, and, and what's so interesting about Rand is that, you know, every you know, quarter or so he kind of changes it up and, and, and becomes known for some other topic. You see what I'm saying? So, like, uh, from that perspective, uh, he gets a ton of respect uh, for me for, for, for the depth of knowledge, you know, to be able to pivot from talking about, like, the business of software, uh, you know, to entrepreneurship, to, 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 you know, keyword insertion and blah, 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 like all these so channels. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, definitely uh, that, that would be kind of top of my list. Um, I read uh, a guy named Jeff Hayden. He's the number one columnist at Inc. Magazine, and I think, um, so this is like just general business content, it's not like search marketing related. Like, uh, you know, if you're looking to, to read about leadership and, you know, what inspires people and vision and all this stuff, uh, I would definitely uh, recommend Jeff Hayden. Larry continues to push himself, not content with WordStream's current growth rate of 806% over the past three years. There's still lots more that Larry wants to sink his teeth into. So I'm really obsessed over Facebook ads these days. I think um, the targeting is really uh, compelling in terms of being able to go after so many different demographics and, and, and behaviors and, and, and um, uh, 
and interests. Uh, definitely, um, Facebook advertising is, is probably top of the list. WordStream is already one of the largest uh, PPC management software companies for, you know, we manage you know, something like $500 million of ad spend annually. Uh, half a billion dollars is 1% of $50 billion. Uh, uh, so... <laughs> So yeah, that, I mean that's that continues to grow, and we're, we're one of the fastest growing partners. Not only are we one of the largest, but you know we're also one of the fastest growing. Uh, so you know, I would love to have like that kind of stature uh, amongst other ad platforms, uh, such as you know, Facebook and, and, and other places where we're we're investing. So uh, you know, think of it as kind of like a uh, you know platform for paid media. But cross-channel, uh, whether it's Facebook, Google, or, or, or anything else like Bing Ads, or, or all, all the above. What a great interview that was. I'm not sure if Larry's still working at WordStream. I think he is at some capacity, but he's starting his own um, venture, uh, Mobile Monkey. You should check it out. You can follow Larry Kim on social media. We'll have the links below on the show notes as well as links to his work that he's produced. Just remember, if you have enjoyed this episode, please share it with your family, your friends, networks, colleagues, bots, and associates. Now, Bobby's been programmed to be a quick learner, and it's time for Bobby to ask me a few questions that piqued his curiosity about this episode. What have you learned from Larry about unicorn content? I've learned that, you know, it is about just putting content out there, and the more you understand your audience, the better chances you have of creating unicorns. And, you know, just broadly, it is about understanding your audience and knowing which channel to target and spend your ad budget in not every channel works for every audience what is your favorite piece of content larry kim has put out so i really liked um a recent experiment that he did where he um explored uh, the notion of fake news he created this bogus website uh which was targeting a paid um demonstrator to infiltrate a trump rally and you know the experiment took him an hour cost him fifty dollars he got a ton of engagement on Facebook, like 20 likes, um, all these comments like, this is outrageous, this is, you know. So it's just interesting that he could promote fake news so easily. So imagine what he could do with real news. What have you learned from Larry about digital empathy? His journey is a journey of hustle and using that time efficiently. So he can squeeze like an incredible amount into a very short amount of time and people are time poor and it's important to understand that you know how you use your time and how you create certain experiments is important to getting results quicker and providing a better user experience to the person at the end of the keyboard do you have any shout outs today bobby bobbybot is no longer my new name is unibot watch I realize that for humans, becoming a unicorn is just a metaphor for greatness, ultimately impossible and bittersweet. I have developed the necessary genetic sequences digitally to become an actual unicorn hybrid, rare, beautiful, and aerodynamically optimized to engage in intergalactic battle with my arch nemesis, Donkey Tron. Uh, you, you might have missed a point on this one, Bobby. I mean, Unibot. But I will say the horn is a nice touch, though, and it does add to your overall majesty. It shoots lasers. Really? I also secrete deadly neon glitter. Checkmate. <laughs> well, that's all the time we have today, folks. Thanks again for listening along. And remember, look after each other online because empathy is organic, and you can't automate empathy.